Turn please in the scriptures to Second uh, Peter the third chapter, and then we'll go to Second Timothy the second chapter. Second Peter three, verse nine. Second Peter three nine says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness." But as long suffering to usward, you know, again and again, you'll find that you're not waiting on him. He's waiting on you. So many times people think they're waiting on God and it's not true. He's actually waiting on them. He's not slack, but he's long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. This contradicts a lot of stuff that's taught in churches. This one phrase. How many is it God's will for them to perish? Not a one. Are there people perishing? Yes. Yes, But not one of them perishing is it the will of God. Or the plan of God or pleasing to him. It's happening because man has a free will. And can choose Something other than believing in God and obeying God. Is there an alternative to perishing? What is it? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So repentance is the alternative to perishing. Many have not looked on repentance in a positive light. When they hear about repenting, they think, oh, you know, okay, if I have to. And then some have even thought, is repenting really necessary? Friend, repentance is a gift. Repentance is one of the greatest manifestations of the grace of God that exists. And it is the opportunity to get out of the mess that you've gotten yourself into. And it is the invitation to get back to full fellowship with your Father. Come on, sing. Can you say glory to God? Thank you, Father, for repentance. Repentance is the alternative to perishing. Go with me to 2 Timothy, the second chapter. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24. 2 Timothy 2.24, I'll read this in the NIV. said, the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone. 2 Timothy 2.24. Able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. See, repentance is a grant from God. It's a gift from God. And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who's taken them captive to do his will. This is a way you can pray for your friends and relatives and co-workers that are in sin and destruction. You can pray this prayer for them. You can say, Lord, I ask you to give them repentance. 
to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare and trap of the devil. And by the grace of God, no matter if they've been blinded, stupefied, if you will, if they've been ensnared in sin and bondages and vices and habits and whatever it is, do you know by the grace of God, they can wake up, they can come to their senses, they can realize this is not the way to live, this is not right. It's a gift that God's giving them and they can repent. Hallelujah. And deliver themselves out of the snare and trap of the devil. What does it mean to repent? We've gone over this, but let me go over it again. There's about four different main words, Greek words in the New Testament that are translated repent or repentance, some form of it. They basically mean to regret, to think differently or to reconsider. They mean to to transform uh, one of them is we get our word metamorphosis from, or metamorph. It's a change. So what does it mean to repent? Well, when you repent, you see the truth. If you hadn't been in line with the truth, your heart will bother you, and it should matter to you that you've missed it and gotten off. But you're not going to stay there and wallow in sin consciousness. You believe that the price has been paid for you. Hallelujah. And you're going to receive it. But you haven't repented until you've changed. The metamorphosis. The change. So it's not just crying and feeling bad. That's not repentance. You've you got to go further and believe God and change. Now go with me if you would over to the book of Hebrews. The 12th chapter. Hebrews chapter 12. And if we can get the complete English version of this. I'll read it out of that, the CEV, Hebrews 12, 1. We're going to read the better part of this chapter. You got time? This chapter is rich, rich on this subject that we're talking about right now, this subject of repentance and the way out. So listen and see how uh, the truth flows through these verses to get to the point where we're talking about here. CEV I'm reading. It's on the, on the screen here. Such a large crowd of witnesses is all around us. See, he just got through talking in chapter 11 about all the heroes of faith, didn't he? And we've got a large group of people that have come down here before us and lived and trusted God and finished their life and gone on. And apparently they're in the grandstands cheering us on. <laughs> Said, come on, don't quit. Run your race. Believe God. Right? Be faithful. In a few days it's going to be over. Such a large crowd of witnesses is all around us. So we must get rid of everything that slows us down. Especially the sin that just won't let go. Tries to ensnare you and entrap you. We must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. We're going to read all the way down to about verse 17. here. We must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to the cross because he knew that later on he'd be glad he did. Now he's seated at the right side of God's throne. He endured that suffering and that pain because he could see you. He could see me. Hallelujah. So keep your mind on Jesus. How many think that's a good 
Good admonition. Keep your mind on Jesus who put up with many insults from sinners. Then you won't get discouraged and give up. None of you have been hurt in your battle against sin. Now, I'm not so big on this uh, uh, translation here. If you read the King James and others, he talks about you haven't resisted to the point of blood. And I believe it refers to where Jesus resisting temptation sweat blood. That's tremendous pressure. Have you been pushed that far? In resisting temptation, blood comes out of your pores? Well, Jesus showed it could be done, right? And we can follow him. You don't have to give up. You don't have to quit. But you have forgotten that the scriptures say to God's children, when the Lord punishes you, don't make light of it. And when he corrects you, don't be discouraged. Now, he begins to talk about the Lord correcting us. Everybody say correction. Now, is that a popular subject? Is it in the Bible? Is it important? How good are you at receiving some? (laughs) Did you hear that? It was like, hmm. (laughs) Well, that's why I'm up here preaching this morning. Because it is in the Bible. And it is so important. It is vitally important. And you'll see this the further we go. You believing with me this morning? Please. He said the Lord corrects the people he loves. Does he? And disciplines those he calls his own. Keep going. Be patient when you're being corrected. Does that sound like you're receiving it? The correction? Be patient. Right? Control yourself. This is how God treats his children. Friend, here's something. If you and I could just remember. When God's correcting us, he's loving us. If we could just keep that in our thinking, it would help us tremendously. The enemy tries to twist it into something else. That if you're being corrected... Then whoever is correcting you doesn't love you, doesn't care for you. But when it's of God, the opposite is true. The reason they're correcting you is because they love you. As leaders, Phyllis and I, with our, our staff and with the churches, it's necessary to correct sometimes. And it actually takes a lot of love to do it because from our standpoint, there's many a time, and Phyllis has uh, just, God's used her marvelously in this area. So many times you don't want to do it because you know they're not going to like it. Amen. You know they're not going to want to hear it. And you know they're liable to get mad at you. It takes a lot of love to go and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be tense. But you love them so much that you'll endure it and put up with And you'll even put up with them being miffed at you. For the rest of the day or depending on them. Next three days or whatever it is. It's a lot easier to just let people go. A lot easier on you. Who wants to deal with that? Who wants to deal with people being mad at you? And sometimes people say. Well I just just love them too much to correct them. No the opposite is true. You don't love them enough to go through what you're going to have to go through. To get it done. Who likes confrontation? Who likes it? People, and sometimes people say, well, I just, I, I can't stand confrontation. No, if you loved them enough, you'll do it. Yeah. 
You'll push through it. You'll deal with it. Why? Because you don't want them to be robbed. You don't want them to be hurt on the end. And you know if they don't get this corrected, it can cost them. Well, God loves us. I said he loves us. And because he loves us, what does he do? He corrects us when we need it. Right? And it's a manifestation of his mercy, his grace, his goodness, and his love. So the next time you're getting corrected, what should you think? God loves me. God, look at here. Third time today I'm getting corrected. God really loves me. Thank you, Lord. I am much loved. Be patient when you're being corrected. This is how God treats his children. Don't all parents correct their children? They do if they care anything about them. Keep going. God corrects all of his children. If he doesn't correct you, then you don't really belong to him. Other than bring out illegitimate. Our earthly fathers correct us. We still respect them. Isn't it even better to be given true life by letting our spiritual father correct us? Our human fathers correct us for a short time. They do it as they think best. And of course they could miss it. But God corrects us for our own good. How many know when he corrects you, it's for certain good. He never misses it. Because he wants us to be holy. As he's holy. Keep going. It's never fun to be corrected. And all the people said. (laughs) It's not. I don't care who you are. It's not fun to be corrected. But do you ever need correction? How many in here ever need some correction? There's no such thing. As a person. That can go year after year after year. And not need any correction. This don't exist. Everybody. Say it out loud. Everybody. Everybody Everybody needs some correction. From time to time. Why? You don't know everything. You're not right about everything. You hadn't done everything right. Right? The only way you would never need any correction. Is if you knew everything. And were right about everything. And always did everything perfect and right. Well that's just not the case yet. Do you need correction from time to time? Well then you shouldn't be shocked when it comes. (laughs) Right? You shouldn't be shocked. when You shouldn't say oh they're correcting me. Well what you think you never ever need any? Why would you think you never ever need any? It's never fun to be corrected. In fact, at the time, it's always painful. It's uncomfortable. It's not fun. But do you need it sometimes? If we learn to obey by being corrected, we'll do right and live at peace. Keep going. Now stand up straight. Stop your knees from shaking. (laughs) Walk a straight path. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about getting corrected. And listen to this. When it's correction from God, it's not something to hurt you or to put you down. It's something so that you can get straightened out and get healed. Hmm? That's what it's about. Nobody said it's going to be fun. He just got through telling you it's not going to be fun. But the end result is so that you get straight and you get healed. 
Isn't that what he's talking about? Walk the straight path, the lame people to get healed. Instead of getting worse, what does that mean? If you hadn't been corrected, it'd get worse and worse and worse. And instead of getting healed, perish. And instead of going on the right straight path, get off the path. How many want some correction instead of getting off the path and missing God? How many want some correction instead of it getting worse and worse and worse? Well, but the thing is, it's up to us whether we receive correction or not. You don't have to receive it. I don't have to receive it. And we live in a generation where many will receive no correction. You know, we've had people in the church, they were absolutely shocked when they got corrected. Because they had been to 15 churches before they got to us. And they'd never been corrected. Because people were scared of losing them. They were scared they'd quit giving. Or they'd scared they'd quit serving. Or they'd scared they'd quit and leave. And so when they actually got some correction, they're like, what? No, that is what? You don't think you ever need any correction? You need some. I need some. Right? Or would you rather go off track? Or would you rather it get worse and worse and worse? And not get healed and not get straightened out and not get restored? Are you ready to say this, Lord? I know I need some correction. From time to time. I know I don't know everything. I know I hadn't been right about everything. Thank you for loving me enough. To correct me. By your grace. I will receive it. And be thankful for it. Through whomever. You choose to give it. Amen. Is that your heart? Yes. <laughs> Keep going. Try it didn't say try. Live at peace with everyone. Live a clean life. If you don't. You'll not see the Lord keep going. Make sure no one misses out on God's wonderful kindness. Don't let anyone become bitter and cause trouble for the rest of you. Now, is this still in the same context of what we're reading about here? Why would somebody, back up to the previous verse there. Why would somebody miss out on God's wonderful kindness? Why would somebody become bitter and cause trouble with other folks? Because they would not receive correction. Can you see this? When correction comes to you or to me, and all of us need it from time to time. When, I didn't say if, I said when correction comes, you and I will do one of two things when correction comes. It'll never be fun. It's not going to be fun. And when it comes, we'll do one of two things. Either we will harden ourselves and resist it. Or we will humble ourselves and repent. We'll humble ourselves, receive it, and repent. Hmm? When correction comes, what will happen? You, me, we'll do one of two things. Are you ready? Everybody listening and awake? Something's going on. You thought you were doing real good. Somebody over in the Lord comes and says, no, 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 no. What are you doing? Quit that. You think, well, I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah, but that's not the way we do it here. 
No, don't do that. What you want me to change? All of it. (laughs) What are you going to do? You'll do one of two things. What will you do? You'll get mad and hurt and upset and you'll harden your heart and stiffen your neck and resist it. And get bitter and get on the phone and tell other people how mean they were to you and cause trouble. Do you see that right there? Or what else could you do? You could humble yourself and say, I'm so sorry. Tell me how you want it done. That requires humility, doesn't it? It also requires faith to believe I can get it. I can get this right. I can do what I need to do. Does it? it requires humility and faith. You can humble yourself and you can repent. You can say, I'm I wouldn't, willing to change. Show me what you want. And not just say it, but have a good attitude about it. And realize I'm being loved today. Because <laughs> if they didn't love me, they'd just let me go. Just let me go and wouldn't care. Somebody's making the effort, taking the time. Now let me let me pause right here. Not everybody has the right to correct you. Not everybody does. You're not supposed to receive correction from everybody. Now you want to be open to see if the Spirit of God is saying something. But the Bible says, know them that are over you in the Lord. Is everybody over you in the Lord? No, they're not. Those that are over you in the Lord... You'll find that a couple of places in in Hebrews. You'll also see that he talks about uh, those that are confronting you. One translation says, and it's not everybody in their brother. It's those that you know that the Lord has sent you to and joins you to. And the anointing qualifies them to be in a place over you. It's not that just because of who they are, they're smarter than you or better than you. That's not the case. But if God calls somebody and puts an anointing on them, that anointing qualifies them to lead you. And you need to know, the Bible said, know them that are over you, labor uh, and are over you in the Lord. Do you know who that is? You should be able to name some names of people that are over you in the Lord. And if you can't do that, you're in a bad place, limbo place where you can, uh, the enemy can take advantage of you. You need to know. How many understand there must be folks over us in the Lord for him to tell us this in the scriptures? Yes. Know them that are over you in the Lord and submit yourself. Yes. Did he say that or not? Yes. That's not our subject, but it's, I just wanted to mention that to you. Not everybody has a right to speak into your life and correct you. I've had people come to me and try to correct me before. That I didn't know them. They don't have a place to speak in my life. Now I want to listen and see if it's the Holy Spirit or not. I want to be open that he could use anybody. But a lot of times they don't realize they don't have any place to speak to me. But then there are people in my lives. If they call on the phone or if they say something they want to see me. I'm going to drop everything and listen. Because I know God has put them in my life. They have a place over me. And they have a right to speak into my life. And whether I think they're right or not, I need to shut up and listen. Because God uses these situations. He uses people. I know this is something that's almost foreign to our modern generation. But it's always been the way God works. 
and the word hasn't changed and he hasn't changed. Know those that uh, labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Keep reading here in Hebrews. Let's keep reading with this. Make sure no one misses out on God's wonderful kindness. Don't let anyone become bitter and cause trouble for the rest. A root of bitterness, the King James says, will defile many. And what this is the result of somebody who did not receive correction, did not humble themselves, refused to repent, but they hardened their heart and they got angry and they resisted it. Well, then what happens as a result of that? You get bitter. They got bitter and they fume about it. And not content with themselves being upset, as the saying is, misery loves company. And so they want to try to, they'll try to stir up trouble. They'll call people and visit with people and, and tell people, you know, how mean they were to me and this and that and the other. And they're just trying to cause problems. Don't listen to that. If somebody tries that with you, don't do it. Don't let them fill your ear with that. Because bitterness is contagious. You can catch it. And it's a bad disease. Come on, y'all listen to me. It will hurt you. And what can it succeed in doing? Causing you to miss out on God's wonderful kindness. Who wants to miss out? Then don't get bitter. And don't listen to bitter people. This is some good preaching this morning. If I am doing it myself. I didn't come up with it. I'm convinced the Lord's given it to us. Keep reading. Watch out for immoral and ungodly people like Esau who sold his future blessing for only one meal. Keep going. You know how he later wanted it back. But there was nothing he could do to change things even though he begged his father and cried. Put up the, uh, verse 17, put up the King James please. You know how afterward when he would have inherited the blessing he was rejected. Did he miss out? Did he miss out? For he was rejected. Why? He found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully with tears. Now what does that mean? What does that mean? Is there a way back? A way out and a way back. What is the way out and the way back? Repentance. But here he didn't find a way out of missing out. He didn't find a way back. To get what he had lost. He sought it carefully with tears. He cried. He pled with his father. But he couldn't get it changed. And you get insight into this right here. Can you cry. And not repent. Yeah you can. See what's he upset about. He's upset. Because he's realized. He's losing something. That's very valuable. Does that mean he wants to change his heart? That is not the same thing. See, there's a lot of people, they want something, but that doesn't mean they're willing to change their heart. They're upset because it's not going their way, but that doesn't mean they they really want to repent on the inside. That's what happened to Esau. Go with me, please, to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, we see such a perfect example of what we're looking at this morning in the story of Cain and Abel. In Genesis 4, 
I'll read the, uh, the living Bible. Let's start in verse 1. Genesis 4 verse 1. Adam had intercourse with Eve, his wife. She conceived, gave birth to a son, Cain. Meaning I have created. This is the first child ever born on the planet like this. Eve said, with God's help, I've created a man. <laughs> Got to think, this has never happened before. Nobody's ever seen this before. This is amazing. Her next child was his brother Abel. Abel became a shepherd. Cain was a farmer. At harvest time, Cain brought a, to the Lord a gift of his farm produce. Abel brought the fatty cuts of meat from his best lambs and presented them to the Lord. Now that's this translation, but others talk about the fat and the best. And you know that it gives qualifiers where on Cain's offering it gives no qualifiers. He just brought something he had. But Abel brought the best he had. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain did. And you know you, you can't do something in faith if you don't know that you're doing your best. That undermines your faith. He presented to the Lord and the Lord accepted Abel's offering. Keep reading. But not Cain's. Does the Lord accept all offerings? No. He does not. This made Cain both dejected and very angry. And his face grew dark with fury. He went into a rage. Why? Why did he go into a rage? The Lord didn't accept his offering. Did Cain need some correction here today? Did he? Now, here's the thing. There's no way Cain didn't know that he didn't do the best he could do. He knew it. You know your own heart. And when it didn't come up to standard... And God, see, God's not just looking at natural things. What's he always looking at? He's looking at your heart. And he knows that Cain just got something and he didn't have care. And he's just going through the rote and through the motion. And so the Lord said, I'm, I'm not receiving that. Your heart's not in it. You don't care. You just brought something. Now Abel, by contrast, thought about it, prayed about it. He said, it's offering time. What am I going to give the Almighty? And he looked over his flock and he saw this one. He saw Juju. And Juju's a fine sheep. But Juju's got a floppy ear. And he looked over at BB. And BB's a great sheep too. But BB's got one leg a little bit shorter than the other. And he looked around, looked around. And then he saw Fluffy. <laughs> fluffy. Oh, Fluffy. Fluffy has won the fair blue ribbon last two years. Fluffy is on the front cover of Modern Farming. <laughs> and he said, it's got to be Fluffy. It's got, of course, Fluffy's the most expensive too. Gonna cost him the most. But he's happy to do it. He's glad to do it. And God sees his heart. And God is pleased with his sacrifice and offering. And he receives it. And Cain just brought something. And God said, I'm not receiving that. And so immediately what happens? Cain gets mad. Who's Cain mad at? 
Well, we know he's upset with God, but he's uh, <laughs> he's upset with his brother, isn't he? Abel. Why is he upset with Abel? What did Abel do to him? Did Abel keep him from giving a good offering? Did Abel get in his way? But see, he thinks if Abel hadn't have went so far and given so much, it wouldn't have made him look bad. So he decides Abel's his problem. Goody, goody. He brought his dollar and uh, Abel brought a thousand and it made him look bad. And oh, that's hard on your pride. Correction is hard on your pride. More pride you got, harder it is. (laughs) Keep reading. Why are you angry? The Lord asked him. Why is your face so dark with rage? It can be bright with joy if you'll do what you should. But if you refuse to obey, watch out. Sin's waiting to attack you, longing to destroy you. But you can conquer it. Let me read this to you from the Amplified. Verse 5. Amplified verse 5. Cain and his offering, he had no respect or regard. So Cain was exceedingly angry and indignant, and he looked sad and depressed. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? When the Lord asks you a question, he expects you to answer it. And if Cain would have been honest and humbled himself and answered this question, it could have stopped this before it got any worse. Because the truth is, he's got no right or no reason to be angry at anybody except himself. But he's too proud to admit that. So he wants to blame somebody else for his problem. And he's not willing to receive correction today from the Almighty himself. He said, Cain, why are you so angry? Why are you so sad, depressed, and dejected? Friend, millions of Christians are in this place right here today. They are bitter, they are mad, they are upset, and they've been this way for years. They function in life, but they haven't been to church in years. And they're mad at this one, and they're mad at this preacher, and they're mad at these brothers and sisters that they used to serve with. They're upset, and they're mad. And there came correction, might have been two years ago, but they absolutely would not receive it. It just made them madder. And now they're in a bad place in their life. They try to put on a happy face once in a while, but it's tormenting to live in broken fellowship. Isn't it? It's no fun to live in bitterness and anger and resentment. Is there a way out, child of God? Is there a way? There's a way out. Tell me what it is. It's repentance, but you got to receive the correction and be willing to repent. And isn't that what the Lord is telling him? Verse 7. What's he telling him? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Isn't he telling him? You can make this right. We can get past this. The Lord is telling him. Make a change. I'll accept it. You know, get your heart right. Do, Do what you know to do. And I'll receive it. Everything will be good. 
We'll be all restored. Everything will be good. What should he have said? What should he have said? Thank you. Thank you. Forgive me. I knew better. Forgive me for not showing respect. Forgive me for not half trying. Give me a couple hours. <laughs> I know just what to do. And then come back with his best and with a glad heart and a right heart. How many know that would have been the end of it? There wouldn't be this awful next verses coming up where he killed his own brother. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you don't do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you. But you must master it. The easy to read says that sin will want to control you. But you must control it. You'll be tempted to get mad, to get bitter, to get bent out of shape, to harden your heart, to resist and say, well, who do they think they are telling me what to do? I can hear from God for myself. See, there's all kind of ways to spin it. And, but the bottom line is defiance and rebellion. Not going to give, not going to bend. And if you do, you're going to stay in that torment, in that broken fellowship, in that resentment. How long does God want you to live in that anger and resentment? No, no, that's the will of God. Not one day. Whose fault was it that Cain's in this position? Cain and Cain alone. You know, we go into the prisons to minister sometimes. And again and again and again, you'll find folks in there fuming. Just resenting and fuming and boiling, waiting on, because somebody turned them in. Somebody told the police, somebody this, and not refusing to take responsibility nobody made them commit the crime come on are you listening and yet it's like they're not even culpable they're not responsible at all yeah they committed the crime but it's their fault (laughs) blaming somebody else don't fall for the devil's trick saints do not let yourself fixate on somebody and decide they're my problem that sorry rascal that sorry heifer She's in between me and what I'm supposed to have, what I'm supposed to do, or they've got what I should have. Oh, how many know it doesn't get any more devilish than envy? You know what happened? Verse 8, Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. He plans to kill him. This is premeditation. Why? Bitter, angry, resentful. And he's put a face on all of his problems. And it's Abel. Abel. So he just wants to talk to him. But he knows he's planning on killing him. Wonder what Abel said. Wonder what that conversation was like. He said, So you you had to come bring Fluffy, huh? Well, it's my sheep. God was pleased with Fluffy. What's your problem? God didn't accept my offering. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but didn't he say, if you you could get it right, bring another one. 
Get it right. None of this would be happening if it wasn't for you. What'd I do? You purposely tried to show me up in front of God. I didn't. I just wanted to give God fluffy. You did. You tried to show me up. You tried to make me look bad in front of God. And he got in such a rage that he either stabbed him or he cut his throat. If you you look at the scriptures, it has to do with slaughter like you would kill an animal and usually they'd cut their throats. And you know there was a lot of blood because God said later, his blood is crying to me from the ground. Why? Is this serious, saints? He said that he became of the wicked one. 1 John 3, 12. 1 John 3, 12. And the Message Bible. 1 John 3, 12 says, We must not be like Cain, who joined the evil one and then killed his brother. When and how did Cain join the evil one? He made a choice. Not to receive the correction of God. He made a choice not to repent. Come on, can you see this? And when he did, in choosing not to yield to God, what did he choose to? He chose to yield to the enemy. If you're not going that way, you're going another way. And in yielding to that and thinking about that and pondering that, the enemy was able to feed him that hatred and that resentment and that bitterness and eventually the idea to kill him. Is this evil? Do we have to do this, saints? We never have to do this. What is the safe way to never get this far or even remotely this far? When correction comes. I didn't say if. When correction comes, why'd you do that? That's not right. You need to change that. (laughs) And if you're not used to receiving correction, you won't like that. That'll rub you the wrong way. You'll go, hmm. What right you got to tell me anything? Well, are they or are they not over you in the Lord? If they are, even, I mean, a man or woman can make a mistake. You may not be able to respect everything they think and say, but you must respect the place. Or elsewise you don't respect what the Lord is doing. What's it time to do? Get a hold of your flesh. And if you want to run your mouth and smart back, you bite your lip. And you're wanting to say, let me tell you something. What gives you the right? No, 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 no. But instead of doing that, you bite your lip. You do like we used to do in martial arts school. My dad put me in a school of martial arts when I was 10. Old school. Bare concrete floors, no pads. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the instructor, I mean, I'm 10, 11, 12, 13. And we'd stand in stances for minutes and we'd do all these things. And if he didn't like it, he'd correct you. And if you didn't listen, the next thing you'd feel was his foot sweeping you. He'd sweep your legs right out from under you and boom, bounce you off of that concrete floor. And the correct response is, thank you, sir. That was the correct response. 
If we're sitting on the floor, we're not supposed to lean up against the wall. And if you thought the, the sensei wasn't looking and you kind of lean back against the wall, next thing you, you'd feel something. Boom. Oh, you go. Why? Because verbal instruction wasn't cutting it for you. You weren't getting it. You weren't listening. And they're helping you to get your form right and get it right. <laughs> I know a lot of people, people think, oh, that's bizarre. That's barbaric. It helped me. I use it to this day. Come on, are you listening? You don't have to yield to your feelings. You don't have to be a little whiny baby. You can be a strong man of God, a strong woman of God. You don't have to wear your feelings on your sleeve. And we all need correcting from time to time. And when it comes, you don't have to go through this spiral of depression and anger and hurt and take two weeks or three months or two years to get over. That's ridiculous. That's just being carnal. And it's opening the door for the devil to do the same kind of thing he did with Cain. What do you do? Thank you, sir. <laughs> you want to say, well, let me tell you, sir. You got no right. Bite your lip and say, thank you, sir. <laughs> and your, your mind, your flesh is going, thank you, sir. You say, shut up, shut up. I'll let you know what you can say and when. Should we be in control of our flesh and our unrenewed mind and our little tempers? In our little feelings. None of that works the righteousness of God. Somebody say thank you Lord. Why does the Almighty correct us? Why does the Father of Spirits correct us? Because He loves us. He loves us. Go to Proverbs with me please. Proverbs. The 29th chapter. What Cain was saying. And the Jude 11 warns about going the way of Cain. He talks about many have gone down the path of Cain. Down the way of Cain. And uh, you're going to Proverbs 29. But let me remind you just briefly of what the way of Cain is. Just uh, four quick things. One, not doing what you know to do. Two, pride and anger when it doesn't work out for you. When you miss out on something, instead of repenting, getting proud and angry. Three, blaming others and refusing to take responsibility for yourself and your own actions. And finally, four, hurting others because you're upset and hurting. That's the evil way of Cain who joined himself to the devil in these things. A lot of times that's why people are so mean. It's because they're hurting themselves. They're miserable. They're tormented. And they wouldn't have to be in that another day if they'd repent. But they refuse to. They want what other people have, but they're not willing to do what they're willing to do. And instead of accepting responsibility that it's my fault that it's this way, or it's my fault I don't have the thing I want yet, instead of doing that, they want to blame somebody else. And still, bottom line is, refuse to receive correction and refuse to repent. I've seen this a number of times just in the past 30-some years of ministry. 
I know I had a couple helping me. Oh, this is 25 plus years ago in services some years ago. A bright, sharp young man and young woman. And something came up and there was some strife between them and some of the other helpers. And the Lord had already instructed me not to allow any strife. Zero. Because it is the manifest presence of the devil. How many think we should have zero devil presence at the church? (laughs) And uh, I called, it was the lady, I called her in. And I I said such and such about this and and asked her questions. And she said, yeah, yeah. And so I said, well, I, I don't want that that way. I don't want you to do that that way. Well, it made her mad. So she went and told her husband, and he was mad at me then. So I had both of them come in. And I told them that, you know, if they had done something differently, then we wouldn't have had some of that strife. Wasn't all their fault, but they threw gas on the fire, so to speak. They, and that, you know, I want, they were examples. And even if some of the other guys didn't do right, I want them to set an example. They sat there, glared at me. I don't think I did anything wrong. I said, well, don't come in for the next two weeks. Pray about it. We'll talk again. They came back. I said, well, what about it? What do you think? Well, I just, I don't see that I did anything wrong. So we had strife. We had people get upset. We had this, we had that. There's no way you could have not said this or came across a different way. There's no way you could have done anything any better or any differently. No, I just don't see how. I said, well, don't come in for another month and we'll talk about it again. <laughs> and the third time, same thing. And I'm checking my heart. They're good people. I want to see them develop. They're, they're good help. But uh, I had to stop using them. Because they had got bitter. They had got bitter and resentful. There's no question I'm over them in this position. I'm the one brought them in and started to train them. Whether they see it all or not. Should they show just a little bit of respect. And say well even if they don't see it. Believe that they will see what I'm talking about. And why would you believe that you're operating in such perfection. That you've got no room to improve. And develop. That's a problem, isn't it? Everybody will have to pass tests of being corrected. God doesn't test people with evil. He's not putting cancer on people. Come on, are you listening? He's not putting people in accidents. He, He doesn't test people with evil. I'm quoting James. But you will have to pass tests of being corrected and being reproved or you don't qualify for promotion. I know in my own life, and Phyllis in my life, we've been corrected many times. And there were some times, early days of my ministry, I came that close to messing up and to running my mouth and quitting and leaving. And looking back now, oh, thank God I didn't. Because what would I have missed? I doubt seriously I'd be standing in front of you today if I had let my temper go. There have been some times when I've been called to the office. You ever been called to the office? <laughs> called to the office. And the people that are over me were angry. Very angry. 
And they talked real straight and hard to me. And this one particular occasion I'm thinking about, I thought, I did the right thing. But I didn't say that. (laughs) What did I do wrong? I was trying to be discreet. I was trying to be faithful. I was trying to be loyal. But looking back now, that's the very things that will test you the most. That's not the point. The point is, will you or will you not receive correction? And are you or are you not willing to repent? I sat there. And I got angry myself. And uh, a lot of thoughts came to my mind. And uh, I thought seriously about quitting. Right there. Right then. And I thought, well, I can quit later. Don't move too quick. That's a good thought, right? Don't, I can always come back and quit later. I can come back and quit tomorrow. <laughs> Why would I do that? Should I be led by the Lord? Should I ask Him? And so I was polite and I said, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. And I apologized and I said, I, I will do it the way you want it done. And I left. And I didn't see it. It took me years to see some of the things they were. They had a right to be upset about some of the things. I was just so ignorant. I didn't see some of it. Correction's not easy. Correction's hard. I remember I'd been in the ministry for 15 so years. And Brother Hagen, my father in the faith, took me on the road with him on a meeting. I had been doing some other things, so I hadn't been working with him personally for a while during that season. He called me up at the end of the service. He said, Brother Keith, you got a song that fit here? I looked and I sang a song. I got through. He said, that's not it. <laughs> I know one time we were in service and uh, he, call, he called me and, and there was a young lady we were singing and playing. He called us to come up at the end and we didn't move. And we sat there and I said, you want to lead? She said, what, do you want to? And I said, I don't care. You can if you want to. We sit there five minutes while he's talking and doing some other things. Finally, he looked over and saw we still sitting there. He said publicly, he said, if I'd have known it was going to take you that long, I wouldn't have called on you. And I said, that's harsh. No, we needed it. We knew better. You don't slough around with the things of God. It's disrespectful. We knew the end of the service is coming up. This happens every day. We should have been thinking. We should have been prepared, right? I'm so thankful they did correct me. It helped me so much. I know one time uh, I did something, and, and, and this was the very first days, and, and he and, and Mom Hagen came to me and said, that was good, Keith. That was a good job. I said, well, I'll get it sooner or later. Eventually, they both stopped and looked at me. They said, it better be sooner. <laughs> it actually hurt my feelings. I thought, well, that was uncalled for. But come on, examine it. Why would you drag around and do it later when you could do it sooner just by paying attention, right? See, that shows a messed up idea. That shows laziness and slothfulness. And it shows disrespect and dishonor to the things of God. They were 100% right. I just was too young to see it then. Anyway, Brother Hagin said in that service, he said, "Uh, that's, uh, that's not it. So I sang another one. He said, that's not it. I sang another, and he said, that's not it. 
He kept asking me. And so I, I said, I think maybe I got something to, to preach. He said, no. <laughs> and then it came every, every time he'd asked me, I'd say, well, maybe it's that thing about preaching. He said, no. And finally, like the third time, he said, well, all right, go ahead. I should have known better. <laughs> so I did. I, I tried to preach for a few minutes. Oh, it was awful. It was, it was empty. It was dry. It was dead. And oh man, I messed up the whole service. I got back that night to the room. I felt so bad. I actually took a bath and sat there and cried. Tears fell down my face into the water. I thought, what is wrong with you? The man of God told you no. But no. <laughs> you had... I got on the phone. I called his room. I said, Dad. He liked for us to call him Dad. I said, Dad, I missed it. He said, I know. <laughs> I said, sir, I'm sorry. He said, that's all right. I've missed it too. He said, just don't quit us. Don't quit. Stay with it. It'll be okay. He encouraged me. Hallelujah. But I know if I hadn't been willing to receive something, it wouldn't have been. I mean, how many understand that's how rifts start and develop between people, and they separate, and they quit, and miss the plan of God. Somebody say, not me. Not me. me. Stand on your feet. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Altar care workers, would you come up to the front, display their suffering. Sit out loud, I confess Jesus. Lord of my life and as Lord of my life you have the right to correct me anywhere any way anytime through whomever you choose and by your grace I'll not yield to the devil in temper anger resentment bitterness I won't do that but I'll yield to you and receive correction and be willing to repent and I'll partake of your holiness and grow up in you and not miss out on anything because you love me hallelujah This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.